consider it <clears throat> a joy and a privilege whenever I'm invited to speak at any church, but particularly when it's our home church. And uh, as Pastor said, it doesn't happen very often because we serve our association in so many areas whenever they are in need of a pastor or in between pastors just to go and to fill in until they can find somebody who will be with them full time. Uh, I think it's kind of appropriate that he might ask me to come and do a homecoming service because, in essence, it's kind of a homecoming for Nancy and myself. Uh, we've been away. Uh, we, we were at Pleasant Grove for a year. We were at Faith Baptist for a year. We were at uh, Rocky Mount for a year. And we've only been back to uh, Red Hill for several weeks now. And so it's kind of feels like we're, we're participating in the homecoming, even though we are home in a sense. So I appreciate that. The other thing I appreciate about homecoming and his inviting me to speak is that there's food over yonder. <laughs> and that means I can tone down my sermon just a little bit because we are all looking forward to getting over yonder for that food. Now, I've shared uh, this morning a message uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 26 through 28. I have this little remote control device I'm going to have to get used to doing. Oh, it worked. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, Acts chapter 14, verses 26 through 28. I'm going to ask you to uh, do the Lord honor today. Uh, if you would stand with me as we read this passage. I'm reading from the New International Version. You might have another version. Follow as best you can. And here in the words of this passage, the author writes this. Let me click a slide again. There we go. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this event that we call homecoming. Lord, it is something that unites the past with the present. It is something that brings generations together. And Lord, we are grateful for that, not only for the current generation that is making up the congregation of Red Hill Baptist, but we thank you, Lord, for those from past generations who have made the church and helped make it what it is today. The Father, we rejoice in bringing these groups together. And may we learn something, Lord, that will not only be a blessing to those who have come home, but will also be a blessing to those of us who are home. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. You know, as I was preparing for this message uh, these last couple of weeks, uh, and I was looking back in the pastoral records that I have kept in my 35 years of full-time ministry, I realized that I have only done two homecoming services two homecoming services in 35 years. Did one in Lakeland, Florida when we pastored there. Did one in Key West, Florida when we pastored there. But I really look back and I'm saying, you know, I'm really not so sure what the reason is why I was doing so few uh, other than the fact that the churches really that I served did not make it a priority that homecoming was important to them. Their philosophy may have been like the man who suffered a very serious injury. And the doctors told this man, they said, well, we can either save your eyes or we can save your mind, but we can't save both of them. And he told the doctors, 
well, I'd like for you to save my eyes because I'd rather see where I'm going than remember where I've been. (laughs) You know, there are several passages. In fact, there are more than several passages in the Bible that deal with homecomings. We're probably familiar with a couple of them. And one uh, passage that is quite popular to use uh, in these particular uh, events would be uh, the homecoming of the prodigal son when he came back from his time of rebellion against his family. Uh, But there's also the grand homecoming that is going to come when we are going to see Jesus face to face. And that is going to be a homecoming we are certainly going to be blessed to be a part of. Now, there is also the homecoming that is found here in this key passage that we read uh, between Paul and between Barnabas and the people of Antioch, which took place after their completion of the apostles' first missionary journey. Now, there are a couple of reasons here that Paul and Barnabas returned back to the starting point of that journey. And I think that the same reasons that they uh, make known to us today apply as to why homecoming services should have a place in the modern church calendar. And so I want to talk about those things today. There's only two points. I only put up two more slides because I didn't want to lose myself within the context here. But there's the first one. First thing we need to know is that homecoming provides the opportunity to both give and to receive encouragement. Now we're told in verse 26, if I can go back and reiterate that verse, that from Italia the apostles sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. Now I'm not sure how many of you have actually returned home today. I don't know if there are many of you who have come uh, as a part of the homecoming service who ended up elsewhere or have, are, are involved elsewhere in other places. But the fact of the matter is, if you are here today, we are blessed that you are here. And we want you to know that some people who come back for homecoming today, and this may apply to you, some people who come back are not necessarily returning to the place where they first of all had committed themselves to God's grace. Perhaps in your life, Red Hill was a stopover along the journey of your life, a place that you uh, found uh, a home for a short period of time, and today you have come back to that place because Red Hill means something to you. Now, others of you perhaps have family here, and you're here as part of a family unit, and you're here because Red Hill is the place where the grace of God that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone, was first explained to you. It was where you first understood what the gospel message was. It is the place where you received the gospel message and the grace that applies with it. Now, while the faculty that we call Red Hill Baptist Church may have changed, over the course of years, and it has, and it continues to change as we've already seen with the fellowship hall renovations. And the fact of the matter is the congregational makeup has changed in years as well. There are people that are here today that uh, are not familiar to others of us. And there are people here today that we don't even know yet. We're still getting to know. And if you're Nancy and I, we're trying to get reacquainted with everybody again. That's just the way it is. But the fact of the matter is the principles and the message for which Red Hill stands 
and for which Red Hill has always stood on have never changed. It's the same message. It's the same doctrine. It's the same truth. That has remained constant. And when one comes home, they are letting the current makeup of the church know that Red Hill has counted for something in your life. She has not been forgotten. And she still has a place in your heart. And we're grateful for that. But also lets us know, as the current membership of the church, that the work of God that he began in you, no matter how long ago it was, has not grown cold. And that your faith is still alive and it is still active. Now, while I was pastoring in in Lakeland, I led a seniors uh, group uh, to Fort Myers, Florida, perhaps some of you have been there, to see the winter estates of Thomas Edison and Henry Ford. Now, a lot of people don't know this about Thomas and Henry, but they were lifelong friends. They didn't just become friends when they became famous. Now, we know that Henry Ford was an engineer, and Henry Ford had envisioned the day when America... Uh, would would travel about on this vehicle that was called a horseless carriage. And he had this idea for this particular vehicle. But every time he would take his idea to other people, he was met with nothing but criticism and ridicule uh, from those that he approached with it. Well, one night he was at a dinner party and Mr. Edison was there as well. And he was talking to a man about his invention. And Thomas Edison happened to overhear the conversation And he said, Mr. Ford, would you please give me a drawing, even if it's a crude drawing, make a drawing of the vehicle that you're talking about. And so Mr. Ford, uh, he hastily completed a very crude sketch of his idea for his contraption, and then he gave it to Mr. Edison. And Mr. Edison said this. He said, with a banging of his fist on the table, he said, that's the thing. You have it. That's all Henry Ford needed to hear. And we know that he took that sketch and he worked on it and he expanded on it and it gave him the impetus to continue with his work and we know that the rest is history. But to see encouragement is something that is a two-way street. It's not just encouraging or being encouraged by those of you who have come home, but it's us also encouraging those of you who are home. We hope that you can see in us that God is still at work mightily in Red Hill Baptist Church. He is still about the business of affecting lives for the Lord Jesus, just as He has always been. And coming home lets one know that the work and the prayers and the support that you have given to this church in the past have not been in vain. Red Hill is a church on the move. And she has a vision for the future. And coming home is an encouragement to keep remembering and keep praying and keep supporting the work so that when we hold the next homecoming next year, the growth will be even greater than it is right now.
Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30 says that a cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. And that's what homecoming does. It brings about a cheerful look. It brings joy to the heart and it brings health to the bones. And we hope that those of you who have come home are encouraged by what you see happening here. And your coming home encourages us in seeing that you are continuing to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus. But homecoming also provides the opportunity to both give and receive accountability. We're told here in verse 27 that on arriving in Antioch, they gathered the church together. This is the apostles. They gathered the church together and reported all that God has done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, friends, we have to understand here that in the life of the early church, this news was an absolute rite of passage. When Paul and Barnabas had left Antioch, their plan was to take the message of salvation primarily to the Jewish people. And for the most part, we know that the Jews rejected their message. So they decided to make a bold and a spirit-led decision to begin preaching to the Gentiles. And it was among the Gentiles that they found not only a receptive audience, but they found evidence that the gospel was something that had universal appeal for all people. And because it was the Antioch Christians who had commissioned and supported them through prayer and other means, they felt accountable to them with what God had been doing through them. And so they went back to tell them what he had accomplished. Now all of us know <clears throat> that the Christian life is one of accountability. Jesus spoke on the subject of accountability to him with the use of our talents and gifts in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, that there would be a day of accountability for every word that we speak. In Romans chapter 14, verse 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verses 10 through 15, Paul spoke of our accountability for our works. And I know normally when we think of the word accountability, we think of it in that negative, ominous type of sense. Somebody once asked Daniel Webster what the greatest thought was that man could have occupied in his mind. And Daniel Webster said, our accountability to God. However, if we limit accountability just to the negative, we miss the benefits of accountability. That's right. There are some good things that come from accountability. And what are those good things, you say, preacher? What are they? I'm still looking for them. Well, first of all, accountability keeps us honest before each other. Amen? It keeps us honest before each other. Secondly, it challenges us to the point of integrity in our dealings with our fellow man. We want to be people of integrity. We admire people with integrity. 
We want people to be people of integrity, especially those that we deal with. Thirdly, accountability helps us to openly face our struggles, our weakness, our temptations, and our trials. We have a problem today with being honest with each other. We put on masks. We hide what's going on in our lives. We don't want people to know that we've got issues and we've got hurts and we've got habits and we've got hang-ups. We want to put on a face that makes everybody think that we've got our acts together 24-7. And we know the truth to that. So why do we hide it? The fact of the matter is, yes, we have those issues. And when we have accountability to each other with those issues, it helps us to deal with them in a positive way. Yes, it's hard to do. In fact, most of us don't do it. It's impossible for many to do. But the fact of the matter is when we show accountability to others, it makes us better people. It should make us better people. And it should make us better Christians. Homecoming provides us with an opportunity to be accountable to each other in our walk with the Lord. It is to help us become more like Jesus in everything that we do. And anyone who really wants to do and be their best understands the importance of accountability and desires to be accountable to someone or to something. Now we know the churches are not perfect. I would never join a perfect church. Because the minute I joined it, it would cease to be perfect. Because I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. The church is not perfect. But those who come home should be able to see in those who are home and vice versa that we, in spite of our imperfections as a church and in spite of our imperfections as people, are continuing to fight the good fight. We are still headed in the right direction and we are still growing in our spiritual walk and our commitment to our Lord. You know, one of the great modern-day teachers uh, on the subject of prophecy was the late uh, J. Dwight Pentecost. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He passed away in 2014. But a story was told about a time that uh, Dr. Pentecost was invited to speak at a small country church on the subject of prophecy for a week series of meetings. And so he prepared six sermons on prophecy, but then decided, you know, somewhere along the way, I've got to bring in the idea uh, that we have seen many prophecies that Jesus has already fulfilled. Not just the things that he's going to fulfill, but there are things that he already fulfilled. And all of the evenings were equally publicized and the same encouragement to attend each meeting was given for all of them. And on the six nights that that Dr. Pentecost spoke on prophecy, the church was absolutely packed to standing room only. 
But on the night when he preached on the past prophecies, the church was only filled halfway. I think there's a lesson there for us. It's a lesson we probably admit to. But the lesson says this. It says that we don't want to hear about the past as much as we want to hear about the future. But you see, when you overlook the past, the future is not as much appreciated. That goes for the church. That goes for our lives. All of us have a past. We can't live in the past. But the blessing is that we can move beyond the past. And no matter what your past is, God has a future beyond it. Homecoming reminds us how God worked in the past at Red Hill Baptist. It's what brings us to the present today. It is a legacy that helps us to stay firmly focused on the greatness that Red Hill has yet to experience. So for those of you who have come home today, thank you for being a part of Red Hill's past. And for those of us who are home, we need to continue to work together in the present so that the future of Red Hill Baptist Church can continue to be a lighthouse to this community and continue to be bright and shining to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and who gave himself completely for us. And our pastor can't do it together. Now I know as a pastor myself for 35 years, if you try to do it by yourself, you're going to burn yourself out. And this is where the church must come together. Everybody here has a gift or a talent they can use. There is a niche for you to take who God made you to be and who God called you to be and to fit into that niche and help Red Hill continue to grow. That is my prayer for all of us. That is my prayer for me. Not just to rest on the laurels of 35 years of full-time ministry. Not just to rest on the laurels of four interim pastorates. But this is where God has planted us and we will do our best to help her grow. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we come before you, Again, I want to thank you for the joy and privilege of sharing with this wonderful group of people, people who are our friends, not just our fellow church members, but our friends. And while we don't know anybody or everybody as much as we'd like to, we thank you for the privilege we have while we're here to continue to get to know each and every person 
and their value to you. Father, as we go from here to a time of fellowship, may we continue to fight for that which is good. Our world is becoming a difficult place in which to do that. And we as Christians, Lord, are ending up more and more, it seems, on the short end of the stick. But the fact of the matter, Lord, is we know what your book says about the end. And we know ultimately who is victorious. And we thank you that we can continue to be a part of that pathway to victory here in this community, here in this church, here in our lives, here in our workplaces, here in our schools, wherever it is you would call us and plan us to be. So, Father, thank you for this time. And the most important message I can give today, Lord, is if there is somebody here who has never trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, they have never admitted that they were sinners. They have never believed fully and completely that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for our salvation. They have never confessed Him personally as their Lord and Savior and repented of their sin. Father, that would be the greatest homecoming gift they could give to anybody this morning. So, Father, we commend this next time of invitation to You as You would lead us. Lord, may we respond to Your call and do what it is You would ask of us to do. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor is here at the front. We're going to ask you to stand for an invitation hymn. This is your opportunity to sing hymn number 544, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And if you need to come for any reason whatsoever, Pastor is here, Larry is here, I'm here to greet you and encourage you in that walk. Hymn number 544, stand please as we sing. Thank you.